Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 27, verses 1 through 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name is Brian, one of the pastors here at Metro Church. And if this is your first time checking us out, just want to say how glad uh, I am that you are here with us. And uh, just to keep you and everyone up to speed, we started our sermon series just last week on the season of prayer. You know, we believe here that prayer is essential to our spiritual vitality. You know, we believe that prayer is both a conversation and an encounter with God. And I can say this confidently, not because of just my own personal experience, but because we see these prayers all throughout the Bible, and specifically in one of my favorite books personally, the Psalms. In fact, if you don't know what prayer is, uh, maybe uh, you want to figure about it just a little bit more, or maybe you want to begin to start a prayer life. You know, my encouragement is to go through the book of Psalms. It's a great resource that teaches us how to articulate our thoughts and our emotions with the knowledge and heart of God. And the psalm that we're studying here this morning, I would argue, is one of the most important and relevant psalms for us today, as it deals with something that everyone has and is currently experiencing. See, this psalm is all about fear, worry, and anxiety. See, you and I, we all have experienced in some shape or form, some big, some small, but the general feeling is we all hate it. You know, I, we hate the fact that anxiety creates this eerie uncomfort that tugs at your heart. We hate the fact that anxiety creates unnecessary thoughts about the unknown. And it's the reason why we do such crazy things. We when we get a cough, we immediately go to WebMD to see how many months left you have to live. You know, it's the reason why we can't stop looking at our Robinhood account every few hours just to see if the market crashed. It's the reason why we feel uneasy 
every time we hear about COVID and we then begin to wonder what impact it's having upon the people that hold most dear to us. And this is why I believe that this psalm is so important for you and I. Because not only does Psalm 27 allow us to be honest about our own anxieties, and not only does it comfort us of all of our fears, but this psalm helps us answer the important question, what's the best way to deal with our anxieties? Even the anxieties that you may have brought with you this morning. So I have three points for our time as we go through Psalm 27. First is the reality of our anxiety. Secondly, the solution for our anxiety. And finally, the confidence in our anxiety. Let's dive right in. Now this psalm, it was uh, written by David. And what we know about David is he was the greatest king in Israel's history. He was the one to unite all the tribes of Israel under a single monarch. But what we also know about David's life, that all throughout his life, he had numerous enemies who wanted him dead. And it's something that we have seen all throughout the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Samuel and Kings. And in this psalm in particular, Dave has, David has written as he is picturing himself being attacked by these enemies. This psalm is not illustrating the actual events that have occurred. Rather, it's a psalm where he is imagining the worst events that may be ahead. In other words, David is praying through his anxiety. So looking at verse 2 and 3 with me, David says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, though an army besiege me, though wars break out against me. David here is imagining the worst possible scenario. And this speaks into the realities of our own anxieties. We live in a fallen world where sometimes the worst things you fear the most can actually happen within your life. And that's what anxiety is, is it not? The feeling of fear or apprehension about what could happen. But what makes this psalm so amazing is that even though David is assuming the worst, David remains confident that even though these things may happen, even though the enemies are against him, even though he might be by himself in battle, even though his world may crumble, David is declaring his trust in what God has planned for him. So when you look at verse 2 and 3 again in detail, when he is imagining the wicked are advancing against him to devour him, it's his enemies and his foes who will stumble and fall. When he is imagining that an army besiege him, it is his heart that will not fear. And this is remarkable because it tells us something very unique about our own anxieties in light of the Christian faith. It means that even in the worst of our anxieties and in the worst of our fears, the character and promise of God can give us great confidence to walk through them. I love what I'm reading right now because what it does is it affirms that God will never downplay the anxieties that you are experiencing. Nowhere in Scripture will it shame you for being anxious. 
And at the same time, it's this scripture that speaks into these anxieties with great hope. And it's more hope than any worldly offer, worldly advice can actually offer. You know, many believe today that uh, the millennial generation and now what we're calling Gen Z are to be the most anxious generation than any other generations. And with that, there tends to be a, a lot of resources, more than ever, on ways to overcome worry, anxiety, a lot of self-help resources out there. And in light of this self-help, one of the most common themes these resources often say uh, is to overcome worry and anxiety. Uh, it's typically in the lines of, you know, don't worry about the things that didn't happen. Uh, don't worry about the things that could go wrong. That is stinking thinking is no good. And I mean, hear me, uh, when I say that, uh, I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad advice. I mean, sometimes I, I, I do think we do trip a little too much, including me. But what David does is something quite radical in his approach, contrary to that self-help. What David does is he confronts his fears because he knows the possibility of what may come. And what David does is that he prepares his heart for the worst in confidence. So in verse 3, he declares, Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. David goes as so far as to imagine the absolute worst. And what that tells us is that you and I, we can have a way of dealing with anxiety and fear that will assume the worst things possible. But because of his love for us and his promise towards us, we can be confident and our heart does not have to fear. And the question becomes, well, how do we begin to deal with our anxiety that assumes the worst but still remain calm and confident in life? What's the solution? It's what we find in verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now this is a filled verse, but it's a very important verse because David is now giving insight on how he deals with his fears in such a courageous way. And it's what I believe is the key to deal with our anxiety right now. See, what many commentators believe about this psalm is it was that written when David hid from King Saul who was trying to kill David because of his jealousy towards his rise to power. And in light of this fear and anxiety, what verse 4 tells us is that rather than running from his enemies, rather than even running towards what he is most comfortable with, David remains and he waits for the Lord's presence. That's why in verse 5, David says that it's for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. See, this is remarkable because what David is essentially saying is this. There are many things that I could run towards right now, but I need to stay where I am because I know that they won't protect me from what I am experiencing. Think about this with me. David could have gone back to his other securities. He could have gone back to his mother and father. 
He could have went back to his homeland, wherever that may be. He could have gone back to all of his comfort. But what made David stay constant in faith? What made David not wander? Was it a physical temple where he was looking to reside in? No. He was looking at what was already resided within him. And that is what we find in verse 4, that one thing. See, David knew the solution to his anxieties. And it was to know that if he just continues to lean into God as his one thing, then he would be resilient through his fears. Now, some of us right now, you may be listening and you're honestly saying, well, God is not the one thing in my life right now. And if that is you, I just want to say how glad I am that you are here with us and you're listening right now. Because my question for you would be, if not God, then who? Who or what is that one thing that you run towards to when you are anxious? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's a significant other. Maybe it is your family. Maybe it's your 401k. Maybe it's your career. And it's interesting because all those things as I share, they are actually good things within your life. However, it's when these good things become the one thing. I would argue is that these are the things that are not creating uh, comfort, but they are actually enhancing your fear far worse. See, when we gaze upon these things, when we gaze upon their beauty, we cherish them. They become the one thing we depend on for our joy and our comfort. It's the one thing that we need in our life because we know if we don't have it, our, our joy is taken away. And the question is this, are these things in your life, are they really producing comfort or are they actually producing future anxiety? See, when these good things become one, the one thing, when good desires become excessive desires, that's when anxiety comes. Because when you lose it, or you feel like you begin to lose it, you begin to feel like you're losing everything. In other words, we're always running to other things for comfort and security as the one thing. But the reality is, is that these things were never meant to do such things. And David, he knew this. And when David is saying, if Jesus, God, you're my one thing. If you are the one thing I need in my life. If you are the one thing I ask for. If you're the one thing I will gaze my eyes upon to seek your beauty and to seek you in the temple. He knows that it will make him fearless. And it will make him fearless knowing that God can't be taken away from him. And in the same way, when we begin to identify those good things as the main things, and what they really do, it should challenge you at the least and consider God as the only solution for our anxiety. Now hear me when I say this. 
I'm not downplaying what you are experiencing, what you have experienced. This is uh, by any means, it's not a, uh, a time where I'm trying to shame you. I believe that, you know, anxiety is a real struggle that many of us go through and it is something that we all experience it. We all see this throughout the Psalms, right? David makes it clear that he is often afraid in Psalm 56 verse 3. He says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. But what I am saying is this. Scripture tells us to examine our hearts. And one component to that examination is by asking the hard questions of what some of the causes of my anxiety are so that I can repent for my overvaluing of these things. So I can let Scripture speak change into existence. And the question is, don't you desire a life where you no longer have to be ruled by many things that enhance your anxiety and rather have that one thing in your life that would only promise you joy? And, you know, and if you're considering this for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time, you know that you can be confident that God is the only answer because of his son, Jesus Christ, which leads us to our final point. See, in the latter half of Psalm 27, we see a very confident David. Verse 7, he says, Hear my voice when I call. Be merciful to me and answer me. In verse 9, he says, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Do not reject me or forsake me. David knows that God is his father. And just like a son seeking his father when he's afraid of monsters in the closet, crying out for his dad, David right here in these verses, he's crying out to God, his father, to protect him from those monsters that are surrounding him. And just like David, you and I, we can have this confidence in God during our most anxious moments. We have this access to God, our Father, where we can ask for His peace and His comfort and confidence in such a way where we know that He is not forsaking us, rejecting us, and we can be confident that God is listening when we are pleading how do I know this? Why is this the case? Because centuries later, after this psalm, in Matthew 27, we see Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And on the cross, he would absorb the penalty of our sins so that the justice of God would be satisfied, so that we could be declared as righteous. And in that righteousness, we now have full intimacy of God's love with no requirements. But what did that take? It took the person and work of Christ. And in the person of work of Christ, it meant that he actually experienced our worst fears and our worst anxieties being forsaken. That's why on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus actually experienced 
our worst fears and our worst anxieties so that you and I never have to experience the worst fears and anxieties of being forsaken by God. And if there is any belief that is true, then that should shape how we deal with our greatest fears and our anxieties right now. In some ways, we all fear being alone. With Jesus was completely by himself to die the death that we deserve. In Christ, you aren't alone. For some of us, we fear the loss of the things that matter to us the most. What Jesus lost, what mattered the most to him, his sonship with the Father. And in Christ, no loss is in vain. For some of us, we fear death. And Jesus died for us so that we could have eternal life that no sin can take away. And in Christ, we are promised eternal life. See, when Jesus becomes the one thing we ask of, it then becomes the end of this crippling fear and anxiety because you have someone that is not temporarily with you because of what you did for him, but you have someone that is always with you because of what he did for you. And that's when we become confident because we have not someone that's just by our side, but someone that is within us. And then just as David is in verse 10 says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Well, because of Christ, we can say, though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord has received me. Though my spouse forsake me, the Lord has received me. Though my career forsake me, the Lord has received me. Though all my relationships forsake me, the Lord has received me. He was forsaken so the Lord would receive us just as we are and who we are are anxious and fearful people that are loved by a perfect God. So how do we apply all of this right now? I find this in verse 11 where David says, Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. See, I believe the best way to begin uh, the path to have this Psalm 27 type of confidence in the midst of fear and anxiety, it, it starts right here where David says, teach me your way. Because see, what we see is teaching me your way is essentially a posture of your heart. It's saying, I want to be teachable. I want to be humble. And you're probably wondering, what does being teachable and humility have anything to do with my anxiety? Well, you know, a few years back, you know, um, even myself, I, I went through a lengthy season of anxiety. 
You know, I'll be honest, a few years back, uh, I wasn't in the best place. It was a season of anxiety. Uh, I couldn't eat. Uh, I couldn't sleep. I hated being alone. My mind was running 100 miles per hour when it really shouldn't have been. And I remember going through this season of anxiety. And I remember I started going through scripture and I started to do like a word study of of fear and I started doing word studies on anxiety. And what happened was I landed on this one particular passage, which is now one of my favorite passages, 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 6 and 7. And it says this, humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I was wrestling with this because I loved verse 7, but perplexed by verse 6. What does humbling myself have anything to do with my anxieties and his care? And as I was going through this, it it hit me. What Peter was saying to his elders, the reason why uh, we are so anxious, the reason why we aren't willing to receive his care is simply because we weren't being humble. In other words, we were too proud to receive. And it was at that moment where uh, I was convicted because it was the moment I realized that a lot of my anxieties were simply because I was just too proud. My anxieties came because I wasn't able to let go of the little control that I had over my feelings and I was just too arrogant to be humble. And it was in this moment where yes, it did hurt, but it also hurt good because it led me to a deeper repentance for the first time of my fear and anxiety. And what that did is that it allowed me to seek God more. It led me to trusting him so much more in a way that I've never done before. See, what I'm trying to say is being repentant about our pride Being repentant about the pride that prevents us from receiving God's care, that is actually the first step applied to this way of working through our anxiety to see God working in it and renewing you. And beloved, he will work through you. He's working through all of the anxiety and fear and he's working it out for your good. And I don't know when that may be. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. But as Peter tells us is that there will be a due time. But until that time, consider the last verse of this psalm. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Would you join me in prayer?